Hallelujah. We worship and we love you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
worship you. I worship you. I worship you in holiness and truth. I worship you in spirit and in truth. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. You may all be seated. Amen. Thank you all for being here. I'd like to call uh, Elder. Would you and your wife stand over here for us, please? Amen. Uh, I want to announce something here this morning. I, uh, I so much appreciate this man here. He has been so kind and wonderful to every one of us. I I don't know any but anyone else that's such a great a servant as he him and his wife are of always serving us and giving of themselves to us. And uh we would just like to thank him this day. Amen. I want to call my wife up here. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Um first of all, it, we missed Elder's birthday. <laughs> and so I know as you get older, it's not something you like to announce to everybody, but happy birthday, Elder Hart. We appreciate and thank you. But um, like my husband was saying, um, Elder Hart and Sister Hart and their family have been such a blessing to each and every one of us. And I know I can say that because I know we've all been recipients of his love and care, and I can guarantee you that he covers you all in prayer um, do my best not to cry. <laughs> Too late. <laughs> um, we've been now with Elder Hart um, about 16 years. And um, I'll never forget when we, our paths intersected. It was such a blessing to our lives. And it ministered to us and it continues to minister to us. And I know it does you as well. And we are so privileged to be under this man's leadership. Because he's a man after God's heart. And he leads that way. He's not looking to control us or tell us how to live our lives. He's just trying to introduce us to the king. And what a blessing we have. And so um, there's so many more things I could say. I could stand up here forever and talk and talk and talk about how much we love and appreciate you all. And um, and your children as well. I, I, they, they tirelessly work for us. And so... Sister Stephanie has some gifts here for Elder Hart. This is uh, from the church, Elder, from each and every one here. The flowers are for Elder. <laughs> <laughs> I tried, Sister Stephanie, I tried. So we rarely get caught by surprise. <laughs> but this morning you have caught us by surprise. 
We love you. It is, it is our privilege, and I mean this with all of my heart. It is our privilege and honor to serve you. The, I use the term you guys see often of Life Church family. And as some of you, many of you are aware, my wife and I, our, our natural family, beyond our three kids, of course, is all back in the Midwest. And there would be times that we would sort of begrudge that a little bit along the journey. Um, we, we don't anymore. Um, we are honored to call you family. It's the beauty of the family of God. And I thank God for the privilege. I really, really do. Thank you for your kindness. I, I can tell you already it's too much. Um, thank you. We're, we're honored to, to serve with you together in this kingdom that is his. Amen. His kingdom. And it's a privilege to work together with you. Amen. God bless you. I think we're going to invite some ushers to come or something like that. Yeah. And then my wife is going to come. She can share what she needs, and I think she may also have some announcement to share. Again, thank you on behalf of our family. God bless you. Okay. Ushers, you can come while I'm looking for what I need to share here. I put my glasses off so I can read. Okay, so ladies, some of you, most of you have probably saw this on um, WhatsApp, but I just want to make sure in case a few of you have missed it. Uh, there is a Mother's Memorial Rally on, thank you, November 12th, because the print is really tiny, and I can't see it with or without my glasses. November 12th at 7 o'clock in Tri-Cities is a Mother's Memorial Rally. Um, if you don't know what Mother's Memorial is, it's an offering that's taken nationwide by the ladies of the UPC. Um, but anyway, the rally, there will be a speaker there. There will be um, refreshments and fellowship afterward. Um, so it's always a great time for the ladies to get together, get out of the house for a few hours, and just enjoy the ladies of the area. So, um, But I need a head count by next Sunday so that they can have food prepared and enough food for everyone. So please, if you're going, let me know um, by next Sunday um, that you're planning to attend, and we'll work rides and things like that out as we get closer to November 12th. But next Sunday, please let me know by then if you're planning to go. And thank you all for the beautiful flowers and the gifts. We love you very much. Amen. Why don't we pray for these tithes and offerings that you can give unto the Lord and his kingdom. Amen. Yes. Thank Father, you, we come before Lord, you that, that you would bless these tithes today. and offerings. Bless God, our time together will, here, God. Lord God. Bless God, those, Father, that give, Father, Lord God. And bless those that can't, Father. In the name of Jesus, I pray, Lord God, that you would bless everybody that gives, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, there will be cupcakes after service uh, downstairs if... Anybody would like to go down and receive of those? Bless you.
the secret place of the most high it's where i abide it's where i abide and more and more i long to be by your side that's where i hide that's where i hide in the secret place in the secret place of the most high it's where i abide it's where i abide and more and more i long to be by your side that's where i hide that's where i hide i desire you in all i do my soul thirsts for you i give my all to you forever oh my worship oh my praise I give my all, I give my all, all my worship, all my praise. I give my all, I give my all, my worship, all my worship. Oh my praise I give my all I give my all in the secret place in the secret place of the most high it's where I abide it's where I abide more and more more and more I long to be by your side that's where I hide that's where I hide I desire you in all I do my soul thirsts for you I give my all to you forever all my worship and all my praise I give my all I give my all all my worship all my praise I give my all, I give my all, my worship, all my worship, all my praise. I give my all, I give my all, all my worship, all my praise I give my all 
I give my all. Can we sing that again and give him our all today? All my worship, all my praise, I give my all. I give my all. All my worship, all my praise, I give my all. I give my all to worship you I live to worship you I live I live to worship you to worship you I live to worship you I live I live to worship you to worship you, I live. To worship you, I live. I live to worship you. To worship you, I live. To worship you, I live. I live to worship you. To worship you, I live. 
to worship you. I live, I live to worship you. magnify you today, O oh God. You are holy and righteous. We worship you, the living God. We worship you, the living God, our Savior, our Deliverer, our Healer, our Redeemer. We worship you. We bless and magnify you, O oh Lord. You are worthy of our worship. You are worthy of our praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you. We worship you. We worship you. We worship you. Hallelujah. 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 There is none like you. There is none beside you. There's none that compare to you. You are God and God alone, and we worship you. We lift our voice today in praise and adoration of you, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are the reason we gather together. You are the reason we sing. You are the reason we worship you alone, Jesus, you alone. We worship you, the cry of our heart. Let it be worship unto you. I pray, let our worship be a sweet savor unto you. We worship you. We worship you. Hallelujah. What an amazing thing it is. That we can worship him. And in so doing, he ministers to us. It proves even in worship, we can't outgive him. He who deserves all worship, all glory, all honor. And when we worship, he says, oh, no, you're not going to give me more than I give you. And so you begin to worship. 
and what we're feeling right now, the Spirit of God says, you worship me and I'll minister to your spirit. You worship me and I'll touch your life. You worship me and I'll flow into your spirit. Come on, unselfishly. What? There's a spirit of worship here. Let it flow out of your heart. Not just out of my mouth, but out of my heart and my spirit, Lord. I praise you. I magnify you. You alone are worthy. It is my privilege and honor to worship you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. The scripture teaches us the Father seeketh such to worship him. You ever wonder what the Lord's seeking? Worshippers. Worshippers. In song, in word, in prayer, in praise, in life, our life should worship him. Our, we're not moving past this. As long as he's here, he's the reason we're here. We're not waiting on anything else. We're simply entertaining and worshiping the King of Kings. He's here. Come on, whatever you entered in today with a need, if you'll worship, I believe the Spirit of the Lord will begin to minister to your need. We worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, our worship is a sweet savor. It ascends before the throne, a fragrance sweet in the nostrils of God. We worship you, Lord. Our cry of our heart, the cry of our lips, the cry of our spirit to you, our maker. We worship you, Lord. Let it be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, the scripture says deep calls to deep at the noise of the water spouts. I believe that's a cry of worship. The deep places in the spirit of man and the depth of God connecting. And there's a flow that begins to take place in worship. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We were created to worship him. We were created to worship him. Hallelujah. We magnify you, O oh God. We magnify you, O oh God. We bless your name. We bless your name. The name above every other name. We worship you. We offer worship to you today. We offer our worship to you. I pray, Holy God, accept our offering. Yo lo sande yelo doro yo ti abasare arabaka ye arabasaya to you alone who is worthy to you alone who is worthy
Basio lobokoro ye basi ananamatio nebeti elemedi arabashi totoroboko ye ai yaramasito. See the beauty of worship. One of the beauties of worship is it's all about Him. It's all about Him. And there's something that happens in the Spirit of God. And He's able to work in a way unlike any other when all of our focus gets off of our things, our stuff, our pain, our problems. It doesn't say He doesn't concerned about those, but when our focus is solely on Him, He can begin to minister to those things. I'm so thankful for the privilege of worship. The privilege of worship. Freedom of worship. Freedom of worship. I don't ever want to take it for granted. I don't want it to get old to me. I don't want it to become routine to me. I don't want it to be checking a box. He is God alone and He's worthy. One more time before we transition, could you just lift your hands and your voice, your heart, your spirit, would you lift it to him? Would you lift it to him alone? Jesus, we lift our hearts to you today. One collective voice across the sanctuary, we lift to you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We get in an atmosphere like this and we begin to worship together. I, I've, been, I've been stuck in the book of Revelation in my own private devotion the last little while. And uh, Revelation's a book of blessing. And uh, it's a different Bible study for a different time, but I... We get in a place of worship like this, and I start thinking in Revelation where he talks about 10,000 times 10,000. And this voice going up after 30 minutes of silence. Can you imagine what that breaking forth in worship is going to sound like? I can't even fathom what a day that will be. I think the, the revelator John said it sounded like the rushing of 
many waters. Praise God. I'm looking forward to that day. Thank you for your worship, the privilege of worshiping together. I'm going to dismiss teachers this morning. You, you can be seated if you would like to. Praise God. Thank you for leading us in worship this morning. Amen. Praise God. I, um, I want to take a quick moment before we dismiss the children and before we go into the word. Um, can you believe tomorrow is November? How did that happen? But here we are. Um, we often, as, as many of you are aware, we often start a month with the first three days, or at least the first Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of a month, uh, we set aside for focused prayer and fasting. I am um, not trying to be different for the sake of difference, but I felt like the Lord dealt with me differently about that this morning. And so rather than set aside the first three days, what I'd like to do is set aside the first three weeks. Uh, now, if that got you nervous and you're like, hold on a minute, is he asking us to go on a 21-day fast? Well, if the Lord so leads you, by all means. Um, but what I'd like to ask us to do, if you would, and we're not going to take time and write down names or anything like that, um, and I don't want to belabor the point, but what I'd like us to do the first three weeks of this month Monday through Friday, Monday through Friday, I think weekends are lots of times with family and gathering and getting together. Um, if you choose to fast on a weekend, that's great and good, and I know we've done that. Um, but the first three weeks, Monday through Friday, I would like us to know that someone is fasting every day, Monday through Friday, the first three weeks of this month. All right? So here's what I'd like to do. I'm just going to go Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, okay? And if I say Monday and you're like, you know what, I'll fast Monday, I just want you to throw your hand up. If I see a hand, I'm moving to the next day. Fair? Okay. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Praise God. All right. So by the hands that went up, I'm trusting that over the next three weeks, at a minimum, over the next three weeks, you will set aside that day for fasting. Amen. And focused prayer, as the Holy Ghost will lead, we may share things that we'll agree on together in prayer. Um, scripture teaches us that this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. There are some things in our world that can only be dealt with from a place of humbling ourselves in prayer and fasting. Amen. So thank you for that. May the Lord lead us as we do so. I will dismiss the children to their classes. Uh, I would, as many of you are aware, Anything that happens around here is not a one-man show. It's many people working together to make things happen. Thank you. Uh, you honor my wife and I, but it is a labor of love together. And so thank you all for your labors in the kingdom. Um, 
I was thrilled to hear, I think we had, what, almost 25 or more young people here Friday night. I wasn't here. I should have been here. I'm a young person. Uh, but I heard we had 25 young people here or more, uh, and sounds like they had a great time together. And so I appreciate uh, them putting that together and coordinating that. I start calling names. I'm going to miss somebody that was here helping. So if you were here and you helped, or if you came and you participated, or if you came and you were just trouble but you didn't break anything, then no, praise God. Um, I'm excited, so thank you for that. Amen. Grab your Bible with me if you would. There's been some things stirring in my heart that have remained. Anybody anybody uh, have Twitter? <laughs> like, what are those? Okay. Everybody's like, what? <laughs> Here, watch. How many of you have Instagram? Come on, don't, don't be sure. Don't worry, I'm not going to preach against Instagram. Some of you are like, how, how many of you have Instagram? Raise your hand. All right. Okay. You probably, you know, I. <laughs> How many ever go to Denny's and eat? How many of you ever ate at Denny's? Okay. When you ate at Denny's, how many of you ordered something that you had a picture of? Right? And if, you know, Denny's has this menu, it's full of pictures, but everything that's on the menu is not pictured. But, you know, we're picture people. Right. Somebody said a picture is worth a thousand words. That's why everybody's on Instagram, but not Twitter right there. It's like pictures, pictures. I got all these pictures. Uh, uh, Twitter. I, I'm on Twitter. I don't spend much time there. Um, but every once in a while. But the challenge with Twitter is it's only 140 characters. Right. That you can type out your thought. Um, and so. I think sometimes we want God to talk with us like Twitter, right? We want a catchy saying, a great phrase, and then once God gives us that, we move on. But really, that's not how God talks. It's not how God talks. His word is very clear to us. And the thing is, when we read something about God's character, His nature, His attributes in His word... When we read something about those things of God, they're always that way because he doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, right? And so when we read that God is a jealous God in the Old Testament, it doesn't mean in the New Testament he's no longer jealous. It's who he is. Okay, it's his nature. But the Scripture says of God and how He speaks that He said He would speak to His people line upon line, line upon line. Here a little, there a little, here a little, there a little. Precept upon precept. That's how God would speak to His people. God doesn't change. And so when God speaks to us, oftentimes He'll come and He'll share something and then He'll share something else. And, and we, we, we should, this is just... Lesson for a minute. We're going to jump in the Word. I want to be careful not to just move off when he talks to me about something. Like if I read something in his Word and it really deals with my heart, maybe I'm reading it and tears start to flow or I feel the conviction of the Word gripping my life. I don't want to just go, man, that's powerful. Next chapter. 
Right? Sometimes we can do that. I want to pause and I want to listen. I want to listen. You know, in, in the Psalms, when you see the word selah, sort of fitting, it's to pause and ponder and worship. To pause and ponder and think on what has been said and worship. We need to have those selah moments when the Lord's talking. And he'll, if we'll not move too quick, the Lord will take us deeper in a thought. Oftentimes we just get the top. And the Lord would like to talk a little more about it and take us deeper into something. But we're like, oh, no, that was last week. I'm moving on to something else. It's the challenge sometimes of daily devotionals. They move on to the next thing. It's probably why I like my utmost for his highest so much. Oswald Chambers, when you read through that devotional, he could stay on a thought for four or five days. So you might have been getting a different devotional, but he was stuck on a thought, and you could tell. So anyway, little side note on that devotional, if you've ever read it. He didn't write that devotional. Some of you are like, what? Well, I, they were his notes, and after he passed away, his wife, he was a college professor at a biblical school, and after he passed away, his wife got all of his notes together and organized them and put the devotional together. And out of all the books he wrote, that is by far the best-selling book, and it was after he died and his wife took his notes. So, praise God. Let's dive in the Word of the Lord. Ezekiel. Chapter 36, I thought we were going here Thursday night, and the Lord said no, but here we are. To the Rodriguez, to the Riojas, and to the Sanchez family from Mattawa, some of this is going to sound redundant. I expect you to really lay hold on it. <laughs> we had the privilege of spending some time with all of them Monday night, and we touched on some of the verses I'll touch on today. Uh, but the Lord is not, it hasn't left me. Aren't you thankful for the gift of the Holy Ghost? I'm going to ask that again. Aren't you thankful for the gift of the Holy Ghost? Amen. Romans 8 and 14. I know I told you Ezekiel, and we're going to read in Ezekiel in a minute, chapter 36. But Romans 8 and 14 says... For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. All right? I'll say that again. We quote that a lot, but it's, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. got to be led by the Spirit to be considered a son. That speaks of obedience. You with me? Now, some of you have heard this concept, but I, it's worth sharing again. We are individually the sons of God. All right? When we are baptized with the gift of the Holy Ghost, filled with His Spirit... And then we are led by His Spirit, obedient to the Father, right? The Holy Ghost is the promise of the Father, Luke 24. So when we 
are now obedient to the promise of the Father, the indwelling Spirit of God, the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We're now being led by the Spirit of God, right? He didn't just give us the Holy Ghost to save us. He gave us the Holy Ghost so that he could guide and direct our lives. And so we are led, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. All right? So individually, we're sons. Collectively, together, he's not coming back for sons. Collectively, he's coming back for the bride. Right? The church is the bride. Individually, we're sons. And so, now, if you're just thinking in the natural, that's difficult to wrap your head around. And some of, I, I can feel some of you ladies going, hold on, I'm a daughter. Hold on a minute, you don't want to be a daughter, scripturally. You're a son. Spiritually, when you're filled with his spirit, we become son. Why? Here's why this is so important. The sons are the heirs. The sons take on the name of the father. And therefore, the sons are the heirs of God. So spiritually, when we're filled with the Holy Ghost, we are sons. All right? But then when he places us in the body collectively, so for you ladies who are going, hold on, I want to be a daughter. Don't worry. I'm a son, but collectively, I want to be a bride. See how that works? Because here's the difference. A son is an heir. A bride, we see the principle spiritually in the very beginning. For this cause shall a man leave his father and his mother and cling to his wife. And they too shall be one flesh. That's why the scripture could say, when we see him, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. That's why he's coming back for a bride. Amen. And we're going to become one with him. What a day that will be. Amen. So there's a reason I'm sharing that this morning. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So Today's going to be probably more Bible study than preaching. We'll just see. But we talk often about being led by the Spirit of God, but sometimes it's like, well, how do, how do I do that? Is it, ooh, ah, feels, ooh, I feel something. Mm, I, no. No. Being led by the Spirit is not mysticism. That's what the world's made it out to be. And God forbid, but that's what some of churchdom has made it out to be. And what's happening, what's happened because of mysticism in being led by the Spirit is people don't even know what they're being led by, and people give in to familiar spirits that the Scripture teaches about because they're not rooted and grounded in the Word of God, and they're just fellowshipping whatever feels right or feels good, but they don't have any basis in the Word of God, so they don't know if it's the Spirit of God leading them or a familiar spirit. What's a familiar spirit? A familiar spirit is something that feels a certain way. But without discernment, I don't know if it's the Lord or if it's just the feeling. It's why the scripture teaches us, try the spirits, whether they be of God. Does that make sense? And so when we are baptized with the gift of the Holy Ghost, it's so that we can be led by the indwelling spirit of God. 
But I need to be rooted in the word so that I'm not led astray, so that I recognize. Hold on, because the Spirit of God will never lead me anywhere outside of where His Word directs and instructs. And so what becomes my basis? Well, you know, that feels right, but something's not right. Hold on a minute. And I go back to the Word. And the Word, okay, because the Spirit and the Word agree. The Spirit and the Word agree. So we're going to walk through this being led by the Spirit a little bit. And because it's critical in this hour that we live. Uh, we referenced it at the close Thursday night, also in Romans chapter 8, uh, that in verse 19, I believe, that the creature or creation waits with earnest expectation for the manifestation of the sons of God. Creation, that's the lost world around us. Souls of men around, what are they waiting on? They're waiting for this manifestation of the sons of God. How's that going to happen? Well, in verse 14, the preceding verse, it's going to happen by sons of God filled with the Spirit of God, you and I, being led by the Spirit of God. And so I'm led by the Spirit of God. Now I begin to speak what the Spirit of the Lord would flow through me to speak. Not like, ooh, ah, I got a word for you right now. Hold on a minute. I'm waiting. Let me pick. I'm not. That whole mysticism stuff, we need to just clear that out. You know why people do that, don't you? You know why that's happened? I'm going to tell you why that's happened. Man, we're not going. We're not getting what I thought we were going to get. I'll tell you why that happens. Because men and women want to draw attention to themselves. Ooh, hold on. Mm, I got some. Mm. What is that? It's all about drawing attention to the man or the woman. Read the Gospels. Jesus would like, Jesus would heal the leper and say, go show yourself to the priest, but don't tell anybody who did it. Heal the blind man. Go what? But don't tell anybody who did it. Why? Jesus wasn't trying to draw attention to a man. He wanted God to be glorified. And so, when we're led by the Spirit, there can be a word given. And I don't have to tell you, hold on, I have a word from God. I can just say what I feel like the Spirit of God has given me to say. And then there should be something register in your life that says, man, that wasn't just the words of a man. I don't know why. When they spoke that to me, it felt different. I don't need them to remember who said it. You understand? We're not trying to draw attention to self. We're trying to draw attention to him. That he would be glorified. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father. This isn't about us getting glory. Okay, so that's lesson number one for being led by the Spirit. If I'm going to be led by the Spirit, I'm not led by the Spirit so people will look at me and go, ooh, man, they're really led by the Spirit. I'm not trying to build a reputation for myself. He must increase, John said. I must decrease. Okay, so being led by the Spirit is simply that God would be glorified. So, so we understand that and... And the world is wanting the sons of God to manifest. So we got to learn to do this. we got to learn to walk in this. And the word of God instructs us. Ezekiel. That was a long intro. Help us, Lord. Ezekiel chapter 36, verse number 24. 
Ezekiel 36 and 24. The Lord is speaking here. And he's speaking to Israel, but he is speaking prophetically. And so we understand that because the Lord is speaking prophetically, he is speaking to the church as well. Matter of fact, in Ezekiel 36, I don't know what the heading says in your Bible, but up at the top of the page it says the blessings of Christ's kingdom. I like that. All right, Ezekiel 36 and verse number 24. I was trying to decide if that's where I wanted to start. Verse 24. The Lord said, for I will take you from among the heathen. You got that? We've been talking a lot on Thursday nights about being separated from the world. There you go. I will take you from the heathen, and I will gather you out of all countries, and will bring you into your own land. Verse 25. Then will I sprinkle clean water on you. You'll be clean. Clean, unclean. From all your filthiness, from all your idols, will I cleanse you. Verse 26, now watch, pay attention here. Listen to what the Lord said. A new heart also will I give you. Boy, doesn't that sound good. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. We could just stop right there, couldn't we? And, but watch, he goes further. I will take away the stony heart or the hard heart out of your flesh. And I will give you a heart of flesh. Stay back there on verse 26 for a second, please. Thank you. I'm going to take away your heart that's been hardened. And I'm going to give you a heart. Of flesh, one that again is pliable, one again that is tender. What hardens the heart? Life. Is that too simple? Life hardens the heart, doesn't it? Experiences harden the hurts along the journey, harden the heart. Um, Right? Wrongs along the journey do things to harden the heart. Life's journey hardens the heart. I become calloused. I become, I I call it protection, right? I'm going to protect some places. You understand when the Lord's talking about our heart, he's not talking about this physical heart here, but, right? I, I become, and so life has a way of hardening the heart. The Lord knows our frame. He knows our makeup. And so he says, I'm going to do this. He says, I'm going to take out of you this hard heart. See, when he puts a new spirit within us, when he puts a new heart within us, he does something that deals with all of the past life's journey. That where the heart has been hardened, he can take it out and he can give us a heart of flesh where now when I've been filled with his spirit, he's put a new heart in me. Now the Spirit of God can begin to deal with me. And where before I was hard and I was resistant to the love of the Father, I was resistant to trust, resistant to give room because He does this miraculous work by His Spirit in my life. Now He's put in me a heart of flesh that again can be worked and molded and fashioned. And here's it's, He's not just doing it just to do it. He's got a plan. Verse 27. See, God doesn't just do anything just because. He always has a purpose and a plan. 
Verse 27, and I will put my spirit within you. Now, if you're paying attention, in verse 26, he said, a new spirit will I put within you, right? Verse 27, he opened a little more understanding here if we were listening to the prophetic word of God through Ezekiel. Here he didn't say a new spirit. Whose spirit is he putting in us? Ha-ha. See, he was prophesying. I will put, not just any spirit, the Lord, who's speaking here? The Lord God is speaking, correct? And the Lord God said, I will put my spirit within you. When you and I are baptized with the gift of the Holy Ghost, it is not a third person. It is not my. His. He said, my spirit. The Lord God of the Old Testament is speaking. He said, I'm going to put my spirit within you. Now, it's interesting. I think we're going to get where I think we're going, but we'll see what happens. If you read John 14, Jesus said the comforter is the Holy Ghost. Right? And Jesus said the Father is going to send the comforter, the Holy Ghost, in my name. Jesus was saying that. Now that gets awful tricky if there's three different persons working here. The Father... One person is going to send the Holy Ghost, a different person. But he's going to send the, sec- the other person in the name of the other person because he's sending in the name of Jesus, which is the second person. So the first person is going to send the third person in the name of the second person. What in the world? I'm confused. It is confusing if that's what we think the Scripture teaches, but the Scripture doesn't teach that. God of the Old Testament, said, I'm going to put my spirit in you. All right? That was bonus. I'll put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. Anybody ever like, you ever say, man, I just, I wish I could walk according to the word, but it's hard for me. Two of us, three of us, thank you. Four, okay. Look, honesty sweeping through the room. No. Okay. Right? No, we're, we're human, right? We're human. And so the Lord knew and knows we can't do this in our own ability and effort. And so he said, the only way that they'll ever be able to walk according to my will is I've got to take out a heart and put in a heart. And I've got to take a hardened heart and give them a fleshly heart. And I've got to take and put a spirit in them that's not just any spirit. The only way they'll ever walk according to my will is if I put my spirit in them. And then they'll learn to yield to my spirit. And when they'll do so, I'll cause them to walk in my statutes. See, this is the plan of him putting his spirit in us. Cause you to walk in my statutes and you'll keep my judgments and you'll do them. Isn't that beautiful? He was prophesying. Now, fast forward. We just went all the way through the Old Testament just like that. There's a whole lot more, but go with me to the book of Romans. 
Again, we're talking about being led by the Spirit of God. It starts with the Spirit of God being put in us. Until the Spirit of God is put in us, we are drawn by His Spirit. Okay? So many people can be drawn by the Spirit of God and choose to respond or not. Any of us who are here today genuinely pursuing a relationship with God, it's because the Spirit of God drew us. There's not a one of us that woke up and said, you know what, I'm going to be a good person. I've decided I'm going to live for God. I, of my own volition and initiative, am going to take these steps. No, the Spirit of God drew us. The love of God reached to where we were, found us in our broken state, and brought us to Him. That's a drawing of the Spirit. The drawing of the Spirit is different than the leading of the Spirit of God. Okay? When I'm baptized with the Holy Ghost, it's so I can be led by the Spirit of God. Okay? So, where are we at? Romans. So how do we do all this? How do I, how do I get these 66 books here? From the Old and New Testament, how do I get the understanding, the wisdom, the knowledge, all that's found in these precious pages and the depths of God that are unsearchable? How do I, how do I get all of that in my life so that I'm led by the Spirit? Well, that's the work of the Spirit of God and the study of the Word. And watch. So he said, I'm going to put my Spirit in you, cause you to walk in my statutes, and you'll keep my... That's his word. Romans chapter 2, verse number uh, 11. No, 10. Romans 2 and 10. Let's start there. But glory, honor, and peace to every man that worketh good, to the Jew first, and also to the Gentile. That's a, don't, don't you like that? Glory, honor, and peace to every man that works. Now, notice there's a colon at the end of that, so we know that the thought is continuing. Verse 11. For there is no respect of persons with God. Thank you. Verse 12. Now watch, pay attention here. For as many as have sinned without the law shall also perish or die without the law. What's he saying? Well, I'm a Gentile. I'm not subject to the law. And so... If I've sinned without the law, I'm not subject. The Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, is saying, hey, if you've sinned without the law, you're going to die without the law. The wages of sin are the same whether you're under the law or not under the law. Okay? That's what he's talking about. And as many as have sinned in the law, they're going to be judged by the law. He's still talking about Jews and Gentiles like he said in verse number 10. Glory and honor and peace to every man that doeth good, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. The Gentile is the one without the law. The Jew is the one with the law. And he's saying, either way, you're going to be judged if you sin. Does that make sense? All right. Verse 13. For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. Now, we don't have time today to go through and dig through all this. We know when we look at all of the Scripture that we are no longer under the Judaic law. All right, we don't keep the 613 laws of Leviticus anymore. Thank God. 
Thank God. Because every one of us in here would not be here. We would have all been stoned for speaking back to our parents when we were younger. <laughs> okay. That's one of those laws. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, it's, instead of child, I'm going to whip your backside. I'm going to stone you. I'm not saying a word, Mom, whatever you say. That was the law. That was the law. Thank God we're not under the law. But he's talking about the principle here of being obedient to God's instruction when he says not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law are justified. Those that are obedient to God's instruction, they're justified, not the disobedient or the sinner. Verse 14. For when the Gentiles, everybody say, that's me. When the Gentiles, which don't have the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these who don't have the law are a law to themselves. Now, that's a mouthful, isn't it? Is Paul saying we are now self-governing? No. I know you can read, but I... We need to see what the Spirit of the Lord is telling us through His Word. Here's what He's saying. The Gentiles. He, he was trying to get some Jews' attention who were saying, Well, these Gentiles aren't following the law. And we're trying to follow the law. And Paul is saying, Hold on a minute. You're not keeping the law. They're doing stuff that they're obeying God. You're not obeying God. And these Gentiles, which don't even have the law, by nature, they're doing stuff that's in the law. How are they doing that? Notice, by what? It's not a trick question. By what? By nature. I have a question for you. Is that by their own nature? Anybody here by your own nature, you do what pleases God? Don't raise your hand. I know the answer. I'm as human as you are. No. What's he talking about? There must be a different nature. There must be a different nature that the Gentiles that he's speaking of are operating in that's causing them to do the things contained in the law, even though they're not under the law, and they become a law to themselves. In other words, this nature is now governing them. They're not self-governing. They're now governed by this nature, apparently, and this nature has them doing things that are in the law or obedient to God. This nature is obedient to God. You with me? So what is this nature? I have a question. Who do you think the nature belongs to? God. His nature. His nature. When he said, I will put my spirit within you. We take on his nature. I'm born again. When I'm filled with the Holy Ghost, I'm born again. What am I born to? I now take on the nature of my father. Yeah? Here, we're going to come back to Romans, so don't, if you're holding your Bible, keep your finger there. But I want you to see this. Second uh, Peter 1, 4. I think 1 and 3. Second Peter 1 and 3. I always get in trouble when I try to pull verses. Like, Okay, yeah, this is where we want to start. Watch what Peter is saying. So Paul wrote Romans. I want you to see that this is the mouth of multiple witnesses here. Watch what the apostle Peter said in 2 Peter 1 verse 3. 
He was speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you read verse 1 and 2, you would see he's talking about, I'm a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. According as his, his is the Lord Jesus, according as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life, to godliness, through the knowledge of him that's called us to glory and virtue. So all this power, and notice there was a colon at the end of that verse, so he's getting ready to further explain what he said in verse 3. The colon at the end of verse 3 tells us he's about to further define it in verse 4. Whereby are given unto us, everybody say it's given to me. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. Why? That by these you might be partakers of what? This is the plan of God. That you and I would be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption of this is in the world through, that is in the world through lust. Now go back to Romans chapter 2. So when, when the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, is writing to the church at Rome, and he says to them, the Gentiles do by nature the things contained in the law, he's not telling them by their human nature they're starting to do it. We've all agreed with that. But they have been partakers of the divine nature, and the nature of God that now dwells in them has them doing things they haven't learned like the Jews have. The Jews have been taught all their life that they should be obedient to God. These Gentiles were heathens, and something happened along the way. The Gentiles, we see it in Acts chapter 10 when the, Peter came to Cornelius' house. The Gentiles received the Holy Ghost just like the Jews did on the day of Pentecost and in Acts chapter 8 and Acts chapter 19. So we see in Acts chapter 10 the Gentiles receiving the Holy Ghost, the baptism of the Spirit of God. And so... Paul is saying, hey, the Gentiles are doing the things they haven't learned because of this nature that dwells in them. You see that? Now watch verse 15. There are law to themselves, verse 15, which show the work of the law. Where is it written? It's written where? In their heart. In a heart of stone? No. In a fleshly heart. In a new heart. It's why Jesus said, it's why uh, the Lord prophesied in one place in the Old Testament. He said, I'll no longer write on tables of stone, but I'll write on the tables of the heart. That's what Ezekiel was talking about. I'm going to take out a, a hardened heart, a heart of stone. Do you see the parallels here? I'm going to show the work of the law. It's going to be written in their hearts. No longer written on tablets of stone. It's going to be written on the tables of their heart. But I've got to give them a new heart so that I can write on it. If I tried to write on their old heart, it's hard. And it would take my word and they would use it in a hard way. But if I can take out that old human nature that's hardened by life experiences. And I can put a new heart in them. And I can put not just any spirit, but my spirit within them. Then I'll begin to write on the fleshly tables of their heart. The work of the law will be. And so when he puts a new heart in us, when he fills us with his spirit... He now has the ability. He had it before, but we couldn't receive it before. But now because we have the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God can begin to write on mine and your heart. 
And the Gentiles, and this is what he's evidenced in verse 14, the Gentiles haven't learned the law. You understand a Jew that is an adult would have learned the first five books of the Scripture, the Torah. They would have memorized the first five books of the Scripture. But they couldn't fulfill it. And here's these Gentiles that have been brought in, filled with the Spirit of God, being led by the Spirit of God, and they're fulfilling stuff they haven't learned because apparently their nature has been changed. Was he saying they don't even have to spend time in the Word of God? No. But he was saying even before they're spending time and learning it by studying the Word, they're already starting to do it because something has happened to their nature. And there's stuff that's in the Word that's being written on their heart. And they're obeying from their heart before they understand it in the Word. They're being led by the Spirit. The work of the law, they're showing, notice he said they're showing the works. In other words, they're doing this stuff. They're showing the work of the law written in their hearts. Their conscience is also bearing witness in their thoughts. The meanwhile, they're accusing or excusing one another. What's he saying? With their conscience and their thoughts, because they're being led by the Spirit. The Spirit of God is in them. The Word of God's being written on their new heart. The Spirit of God is directing their lives, and they're going a direction and going, hold on a minute. Can't do that. There's a spiritual accusation that says don't go that way. It's excusing or accusing. They're being directed by the Spirit in their choices and their actions. Next verse, 16. In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. Uh, skip down. I'm going to hurry up and finish here. No, let's keep reading right there. There's so much good stuff in this word. In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. Verse 17. Behold, you are called a Jew and rest in the law and you make your boast of God. And you know his will and you approve the things that are more excellent being instructed out of the law. Verse 19. He's speaking to those that are holding only to the letter of the law. And you're confident that you yourself are a guide of the blind, a light of them which are in darkness. He's saying you got all this confidence because of what you've learned, but the Spirit of God is not directing your life. Verse 20. An instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes, which has the form of knowledge and of the truth in the law. You which teach another, do you not teach yourself? You that preach a man shouldn't steal, do you steal? You say a man shouldn't commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You that abhor idols, do you commit sacrilege? You that make your boast of the law, through breaking the law, you dishonor God. See, he's addressing those that are trying to live in their own nature after the law. The Jews. And he's trying to show them the difference of being filled with the Spirit and led by the Spirit of God. Now, 2 Corinthians. So we can finish today. I told you this was going to be more teaching today. We need to understand what it is to be led by the Spirit of God. This is the design of God and this is the desire of God for every one of our lives. Because here's the, here's the deception that the adversary brings. When you and I seek to live in right relationship with God, there will be things that will come along the journey. And I don't care if you've been living for God three minutes or 50 years. There will be things that will come along the journey where you'll fight this battle and say, I can't do it. I want to, but I just can't do it. 
Anybody ever had those feelings, thoughts? Okay, look at that. We're full of a room full of honest humans. Right. I can't do it. I want to, but I can't. Those things are going to come. And so we have to recognize God has a plan by His Word and Spirit where this can happen, but not of our own nature, of His nature operating through us. And so we learn to be obedient to the Spirit of God. And as we learn to be obedient, we are led by the Spirit of God. I have, I have kids that aren't kids anymore. They're adults, 21, 23, and 26 years old. When they were little, they did not do everything I said. When they got older, they didn't necessarily do everything I said. Ah! Right? And ain't no one of us in this room that did everything our parents said. But we learned to be obedient in some ways, hopefully. Right? We learn to be obedient. So it is in our relationship with God. Right? He fills us with His Spirit and He leads. And, you know, I usually knew when I wasn't doing what my mom or dad would want me to do, whether they were there or not, as I got older. I could be a teenager and I would make decisions and I'm like, man, if mom and dad were here, I probably wouldn't be doing this. You know what I'm talking about? What is that? That's me being obedient to my will rather than the will of my natural father or mother. But as I got older, I could look back and go, man, they knew what they were talking about. There was a reason they were asking me not to do that or asking me to do that. Okay? And so we understand that in the natural so it is in the spiritual. When we're filled with the Spirit of God and we learn to be obedient to the voice of God, there's always this battle between my will and the will of the Father. And so I, can, I do my will and it always ends up the same. Why did I do what I wanted to do? But when I do His will and I realize what pleases the Father, so I learn to be led by the Spirit of God. All right? Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and I'm finishing here. We need to understand what it is to be filled with the Holy Ghost and led by the Spirit. It's God's way of using us and directing our lives. 2 Corinthians 3. Do we begin again to commend ourselves, verse 1, or do we need as some others, epistles or letters of commendation to you or letters of commendation from you. Verse 2, you are our epistle or letter written in our hearts. You're known and read by all men. Notice Paul said, you're our letters. You're written in our hearts. But we're not the only ones that know this. The letter that you are, Paul said, it's known and it's read by all men. Hear me. People read our lives. People read our lives. And if we allow the Spirit of God to work and operate in us and direct us and ride upon our hearts then they begin reading what he wants them to read, not what we want them to read. The chief form of hypocrisy is when I try to get people to read what I want them to read, but it's not really who I am or what I am. 
We call that putting on a front. But when I truly submit to the will of God and the work of God in my life, and He begins to operate through me and manifest Himself through me, people begin to see what He wants them to see. And then I'm no longer concerned about my reputation. All I'm concerned about is being dead to myself so that people see Him. This is His desire. Verse 3. He's he's taking this understanding further of being known and read of all men. For as much as you are manifestly declared to be what? You're what? You are the epistle or the letter of Christ. Hold on a minute. Before I was a letter written in Paul's heart that was read by all men. But he just took it further and he said, I and you are this letter of Christ. Ministered by us. Watch what he says. He's really pointing back to Ezekiel right here. He said, written not with ink, but written with the spirit of the living God. Not in tables of stone, but in fleshy tables of the heart. Isn't that what the Lord said in Ezekiel? I'm going to take out your heart of stone and give you a table of flesh, or a heart of flesh. And I'm going to write on the... Paul is pointing back, and they know exactly what he's talking about. If it was a Jew reading this. They know the prophetic word of God. And they're hearing this word and going, hold on a minute. This is the plan of God. Here's what happens. You and I are filled with the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God leads us. And we go to a place of prayer. We go to His Word. We're fellowshipping God in prayer, in the Word. We're in fellowship and communion with Him. We're spending time with Him in our morning, in our day, along the journey. And God, in His infinite wisdom, by His Spirit that's dwelling in us, God, if you'll allow this, is taking the finger of God and He's writing on our heart. He's right, and I'm getting understanding. I'm getting, where's this coming from? Well, we know it's coming from God. You ever said this? Man, I was talking to somebody, and I begin to say, I don't know where it came from. Well, I do know where it came from. It was God, but anybody ever said that? Yeah. What is that? Did I figure it out all of a sudden? Had I studied Scripture and verse all the time? Not always. Sometimes it was the work of, the, hopefully oftentimes, the desire of God would be all the time, is that the Spirit of God is writing He's writing, and here's the beautiful thing about the Spirit of God. He never sleeps. He never slumbers. He's ever working, ever present. And so when He baptizes you and I with His Spirit, I can walk through my day. I can go through my day. I can interact on the job. I can interact in the marketplace. I can interact at the grocery store. And I'm interacting, and I have a conversation with somebody. And in that conversation, they hear a word, and a word is quickened, and they don't understand why. And I'll tell you why, because they're not hearing Joel Hart. Or they're not hearing Abel, and I'm going to mess up your last name, so I won't say it. They're not hearing, right? They're just hearing. There's this indwelling Spirit of God. And when the Word comes out, something grips the heart. What is it? It's the Word of life. And it's the finger of God riding on the fleshy tables of our heart. And He can give utterance in a moment. When I stay yielded and postured, I'm now no longer operating in my human nature. I'm not dependent on my ability, thanks be to God. But now it's this divine nature working through your life and mine. And it's ever evolving, ever growing. Why? Because the finger of God can always write anytime He wants to on the table of my heart. As I stay yielded to the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, fellowshipping the Spirit of God. This is why we pray in the Spirit. That's why... Jude in his writing said, pray, you know, building up yourself in the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. 
There's a building up of our faith that comes when we pray in the Spirit. We may not understand everything, but as we yield to the Spirit of God and give flow to His utterance, there's a building up of faith. And I'll tell you what I believe is happening with all of my heart. When I'm in a place of prayer and I'm fellowshipping Him, and He takes me into a place of praying and fellowshipping Him in the Spirit, yes, there's times of intercession, there's times of spiritual warfare, but there's also the, the most of the time praying in the Spirit is simply a place of fellowship with Him. And I don't understand what's happening or what's being exchanged, but I know God is present in Him and I are in communion, and what a wonderful place. I could just live there if he'd let me some days, but we got to get up and go. And so, But this fellowship of the Spirit, I'll tell you what's happening. God is riding on the tables of the heart. And then I get up and go about my day, and the ever-present indwelling Spirit of God can lead and guide me as I listen. And how do I know what to do when I I used to do this, but I don't want to do that anymore. What happens? You got a new heart. Well, but how do I know to do this? Because the finger of God's riding on your heart. And you're learning to be obedient. And he's no longer riding on tables of stone. He's riding on a tender heart. Not just any heart. He gives you a new heart. Would you stand with me this morning? See, the danger of this idea that being led by the Spirit is this mystical thing. I, I Obviously, I'm being a little sarcastic when I... Say, ooh, ah, ooh, right? But that mysticism that comes with being led by the Spirit, what it does is it causes people to disqualify themselves. God never intended that. God didn't make me more capable of being led by the Spirit than you. That's the reason, and that's what Paul was talking about when he put that in there, where we read in Romans 2, for God is no respecter of persons. The only difference is how you and I yield. Am I yielding to the obedient, obedient to the spirit or am I yielding to my own will? Iniquity. And so as I yield, he uses who he will. Who's yielded to his spirit. And this is what it is to be led by the spirit of God. It's the ongoing writing of God on my heart. And hear me today. I don't want him to ever stop writing. I want him to keep writing. Unsearchable are his depths. I want him to keep writing. I've talked with some of you. I finished with this. I've talked with some of you, and you've talked about, man, I just, I'm trying to learn these things. I'm trying to understand there's just so much here, and I keep digging in the word, keep searching the word, keep going to a place of prayer, but know that God is also working with you. It's not about head knowledge. It's about a spirit knowledge and his spirit continuing to write. You with me? Letting his spirit continue to write and then being led accordingly. Watch what he says here. Still in chapter uh, 3 of 2 Corinthians. And such trust have we through Christ to God. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ourselves. Amen. But our sufficiency is of God. Who also, watch, this is what he's done. He's made us, everybody say us. 
Say, us means me. I just don't want to, I want, no, some of you didn't say that. Say, us means me. That's all of us. He has made us, say us. He has made us able ministers. Say, I'm able. That's you. It's the word of the Lord. He has made us able ministers of the... I, so see, if you got, well, I just can't teach this Bible study. I just don't know. Well, you know what you do? You start with what he's written on your heart so far. Well, but what if they ask me a question? Praise God. That means they're hungry and they're searching. So you get back in the word. You pray with them. It's okay to say, you know what? I don't know, but I'll dig in the word and we'll look at it together and we'll find an answer. He has made us. Not he will make us. When he fills you with his spirit, this is the plan and the design and destiny of God upon the people of God. It's the purpose of the church. He has made us able ministers of the New Testament. And it's why verse 5 was there. Not of our own sufficiency. It's not our own ability. I haven't figured something out. You haven't figured something out. We yield to the operating spirit of God. We yield to the written word of God upon our heart. We yield ourselves. And he's made us able ministers of the New Testament. Watch. Not of the letter. Of the spirit. Because the letter kills. But the spirit gives it life. I'm not trying to pick on Aurora this morning, but I see her here and my heart is so stirred. I, we made reference. Why is it 10 years ago she heard stuff from the Word but just wasn't responding? There was a difference. She was only hearing the letter. But when you and I hear the Word of the Spirit, Spirit gives it life. Spirit gives it life. Somebody can tell me the word. I, I think of Amber back there. She heard something from Mary years ago. She didn't have time for it. She probably was nice. Oh, that's beautiful. I, thank you, Mary. <laughs> she was just hearing the letter. And we're all human. That's what happens to us all along the way. That happens to us some days on a Sunday morning in here. We just hear the letter. Well, you know, Elder was on some kick about something today. I don't know. <laughs> we hear the letter. But the Spirit gives life. And so that's why we pray, God, remove spiritual blindness from the minds where the God of this world has blinded them. Remove spiritual blindness so that when we yield ourselves to your utterance and we speak the word that you've written on our heart, that they would hear and receive the word because you've made us to be able ministers of this New Testament. That New Testament doesn't mean the new te- that half of the Bible. Okay? That's not what he was writing. They didn't have the whole New Testament when he wrote 2 Corinthians. He wasn't saying he made us able ministers of the last 27 books of the Bible. He was saying he made us able ministers of this New Testament that was ushered in when the testator died on the cross. And now the New Testament came into being when the will of God was revealed. Because without the passing of the testator, the will never gets enforced. But once Christ died, the new will and testament came into being. And he's made us. Able ministers of this New Testament. I understand now. There was a will written. And the will was such that God desired to take that which he created. And put his spirit within it. But it couldn't happen until the testator died. Then the will would be fulfilled and would usher in the New Testament. I'm an able minister of the New Testament. That's what he's talking about. The spirit. I'm trying to. 
finished because you're standing up too. But you've got to see what God wants to do with us. Verse 7, but if the ministry of death, written and engraven of stones, see it again? If the ministration of death, written and engraven in stones, was glorious. He wasn't saying it was bad. At the time when it was given, it was right. The Old Testament. It was glorious so the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance. That's when Moses came down off of Mount Sinai and his face had so much glory that he had to put a veil over it. Which glory was to be done away. Why? Because it was making way for another glory. Next verse, verse 8. How shall not the ministration or the ministry of the Spirit be rather glorious? Verse 9. For if the ministration of condemnation be glory, that's the Old Testament, much more doth the ministration of righteousness exceed in glory. Verse 10. For even that which was made glorious had no glory in this respect by reason of glory that excelleth. Verse 11. For if that which is done away, the Old Testament, was glorious, much more that which remains, that's us, is glorious. And watch verse 12. Seeing then we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech. Not as Moses which put a veil over his face, the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished. But their minds were blinded. Their minds were blinded. For to this day remains the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament. What's he talking about? Those that never allowed God to take out the stony heart. And put in a new heart. And they're still looking to the Old Testament. Rather than recognizing there's a New Testament. They haven't let him write on their heart. But those that have allowed him to write on our heart. The veil is done away. Amen. Would you begin to talk with the Lord with me right now. When he wants to lead us by his spirit. Some of the misconception about being led by the Spirit is so that people could say, oh, it's too difficult. I can't, I can't do that. I'm not spiritual. I, oh, yes, you can. He's made us able ministers. You, when you were baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost, it was so that you would be an able minister of the New Testament. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, let him write on your heart. I'm opening this altar to you today. If you need the Spirit of God, you're wanting him to write. You're saying, Lord, if there's things you need to clean off the slate, so do it. But write on the fleshly tables of my heart. By your word and by your spirit, write here. By the love of God, write here. That we would be living letters known and read of all men. Not just any letter, but the letter of Christ. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Come on, the Lord has destined and determined you to be led by His Spirit. He has destined and determined us to be able ministers of the New Testament. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, Him riding on our heart, riding in our spirit. In the name of Jesus. 
And he would write day by day, day by day, so that as we go through our day, the Spirit of God can minister to a life. The Spirit of God can work in a heart on your job with your coworkers. The writing of God through your life, speaking to other lives. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Come on, this is why when someone is filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, sometimes life all of a sudden seems to get turned upside down. What's happening? Because all of a sudden the things that your old nature would entertain, your new nature won't entertain. And so there's this struggle that seems to go on between the old nature and the new nature that God's given you. But you just learn, I'm going to yield to the Holy Ghost. I'm going to yield to the leading of the Spirit. It may be painful as there's some things and attachments that are broken off because they were part of the old man. But God, right on my heart, I want you to keep riding on my heart. I'm learning to be obedient to your voice. I'm learning to be obedient to your Spirit. I'm learning to be led by your Spirit, God. It's my desire to be led by your Spirit. We desire to be led by your Spirit, Lord. We can't do anything of ourselves, not of our own sufficiency, but clearly it's of you, God. Lead us by your Spirit. Lead us by your Spirit. You know, our friends, our family, our coworkers, you see the lives throughout these valleys that are waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. I pray, lead us by your Spirit. Fill us with your spirit. In the name of Jesus, I pray. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Hallelujah, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, when you can walk in the spirit, you can be led by the spirit. You can live a life of victory in the Spirit of God. In the name of Jesus, lead me, Lord. Lead me, Lord, according to your purpose and your plan. Direct my steps. Direct my life. Order my steps in your word, I pray, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. That's why the Lord still has greater things yet ahead for so many of you. That's why he doesn't just intend for us to come to church and that be the end of it. No, it's only the beginning. He intends for us to walk to and fro where he would lead us and his spirit ever working through us. And he continues to bring wisdom and understanding, not by our human intellect, but by the hand of God riding upon the tables of our heart. The hand of God writing on the tables of our heart. His word being etched into my spirit. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Write upon our hearts, Lord. Write upon our hearts, God. Write upon our hearts, God. Right upon our hearts, God. 
right on my heart, right upon my life. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Right on my heart today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, there's some riding of the Spirit I think that's taking place here right now. As some is entering into and praying in the Holy Ghost, letting the Spirit of God write, letting the Spirit of God plant, letting the Spirit of God give direction. Hallelujah. It's the beauty of this relationship. When I fellowship Him, when I fellowship the indwelling Spirit of God, I may not have direction, but He can begin to give direction and understanding. It's the work of the riding of God upon our lives. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. You provide the fire And I'll provide the sacrifice You pour out your spirit And I will open up inside You provide the fire, and I'll provide the sacrifice. You pour out your spirit, and I will open up inside. Fill me up, God. Fill me up, God. Fill me up, God. Fill me up. Fill me up, God. Fill me up, God. Fill me up, God. Fill me up. Fill me up till I overflow. I want to run over, I want to run over, fill me up till I overflow, I want to run over, I want to run over. 
You provide the fire, and I'll provide the sacrifice. You pour out your spirit, and I will open up inside. You provide the fire, and I will be the sacrifice. You pour out your spirit, and I will open up inside. Fill me up, God. Fill me up, God. Fill me up, God. Fill me up. Fill me up, God. Fill me up, God. Fill me up, God. Fill me up. Fill me up. Till I overflow, I want to run over, I want to run over, fill me up, till I overflow, I want to run over, I want to run over. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus, I'm not trying to stop you. If you're praying, you keep praying. There is a, the adversary is a deceiver. 
Jesus said he's a liar and the father of lies. One of the greatest deceptions of the adversary is that if the Lord has written on my heart and then I didn't follow the writing and the leading of his spirit and I went my own way, that God would not write afresh and anew. But he will. He can restore the heart. He can... David recognized it. King David said, Lord, renew, create a clean heart in me. Renew a right spirit within me. The Lord is able to take, even if I've made a mess when he started writing. He says, hey, as long as you'll let me, I'll keep working. As long as you'll yield, I can take that which you thought you made a mess. Don't believe the lie of the adversary just because you don't get everything right. We're not justifying wrong, you understand. We're not justifying sin. But we're saying, I'm going to learn to yield to His Spirit. I'm going to learn. It's, I'm learning. I'm going to learn to yield to His voice and the drawing of the Spirit of God. And as He fills me, I'm going to learn to yield. Don't believe the lie of the adversary. Your heart hasn't become so hard that He can't change it. Your spirit hasn't become so wounded that he can't heal it. Let him write on your life. Let him write on your life. This is the desire of God. Write on my life, God. Write on my life. And Jesus, I can't tell you how many times... Through the years where the Lord has begun dealing with me about something in a certain way. And I don't understand it all. Some of you have been around. You, you relate to that. I don't necessarily understand. I'll wait on the Lord. And as long as I have peace, I'll move. And it may be days, weeks, or months later that he begins to reveal something I've never seen in his word before. And it's the same thing he's been dealing with me about for several weeks or months. And I never had clarity and understanding in the Word of God. What is that? The Spirit of God is riding on the heart. Now, the Spirit of God, I said at the beginning, He won't lead you where His Word doesn't order. But His Spirit will give you understanding that you may not have in the Word yet. And He'll begin to take you somewhere, and then you'll look in the Word, and you'll be like, my goodness, it's right there. It's right there. How does that happen? It happens because when we're filled with His Spirit, He begins writing on our heart. And He gives us understanding. Then He gives us, in the Word, revelation. It doesn't always work in that order, but that's how it is sometimes. The Spirit begins to lead us, and then He gives us revelation. And sometimes He gives us revelation, and then we trust Him and we walk in the Spirit. Let God write on our lives. That's what it is to be led by the Spirit. That's what it is to be led by the Spirit. Here's another deception. If you make a mistake, there's no way you've ever been led by the Spirit. It's a deception. I've listened to people through the years. They're like, 
I don't, here's a statement I hear. I don't want to miss it. Feeling after the Spirit of God, I don't want to miss it. Well, I don't want to miss it either. But I also don't want to be paralyzed sitting on the sideline not doing anything. I'm not talking about being reckless. I'm talking about, you know what? I'm going to seek to follow after the Spirit of God. And I, I understand I'm human. And sometimes because I'm human, I'm going to make a mistake. And I pray it doesn't hurt anybody when I do. But I'm going to make a mistake. And when I do, I'm going to tr- I know my Father. He's going to help me. He's going to forgive me. He's going to correct me. I'm going to welcome his correction. But I'm going to say, keep writing. Keep writing. I'm going to keep walking and pursuing. Don't fear failure. There's a lesson for being led by the Spirit. Don't fear failure. Your humanity will get in the way sometimes. Again, we're not justifying wrong, you understand. But I can't fear failure. Sometimes I step out in faith. Praise God. And then sometimes I step out and I thought it was faith, but it was just feeling. (laughs) Right? (laughs) That's usually when failure happens. But then I learn. I learn to discern the difference between faith and feeling. I learn through failure. But I don't let the fear of failure paralyze me. Amen? Praise God. Can we thank Him together before we go today? God, we thank You for Your great grace. I thank you for your word that cannot fail. Order each of our steps in your word, God. We thank you for your great grace today. For the people of God, the love of God. I pray order and direct us. Thank you for riding ever upon our hearts. Jesus, we give you glory today. Jesus, we give you glory. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. God bless you. Don't forget the day for which you raised your hand. I will not remember. And so, and we're not checking up on you. We're just trusting. Amen. Amen. So don't forget that. Just a reminder, don't forget that. And uh, let's pray believing for what God is doing. Amen. Amen. I am going to, I'll tell you this. I'm going to send out, we have many different home Bible studies taking place with different groups of people Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night. There's something happening Monday mornings. And so I'm going to send those out. So on the days you're praying and fasting, some days you won't be fasting. I'm trusting you're still praying. On those days in your prayer, you cover those things in prayer. Pray for the spirit of revelation and understanding in the knowledge of him, Ephesians chapter 3. Pray for those things and let the spirit of God work in lives. Amen. Praise God. God bless you. Greet someone today in the name of Jesus Christ. We'll see you Thursday night if we don't see you before. Amen. Amen.